0: Hey everyone, this is Matilda A. Gary Cooper and you're listening to Finesse Your Wellness, the podcast that explores what it means to thrive and live well. On today's episode, I have the absolute joy of speaking with Donna McConnell, aka the Iron Empress on Instagram, aka former member of the legendary and pioneering female hip-hop group, the She Rockers, and aka one of the most inspirational women in London. Because in 2021, she completed the Ironman in Barcelona, her first full distance endurance triathlon at the age of 52. You better, come on now. (laughs) She was inspired to sign up by an amazing group called 10 Iron Women, who are working to increase female participation in Ironman races. And to that point, Donna was one of 194 women that took part in the event out of 2,000 athletes. That's actually just under 10% of participants and she was one of the few women of color. Then there's the fact that she had never actually run a marathon distance before she took part in the Ironman and it was her only third ever try. But she's since completed the Cotswold Classic 70.3 triathlon and that's half the distance of an Ironman she's done the hackney half marathon ride london the essex 100 mile sportif and a london to paris ride yes girl donna has also established herself within the cycling community as a ride leader with club chain gang cyclists and she's also appeared in campaigns for rafa and commute for me Donna is the ultimate sporty spice who continues to prove that when it comes to movement, it's a lifestyle, and that can absolutely transform the way you show up in the world. She also shows that age ain't nothing but a number. So in this episode, you'll discover how she went from hitting the gym in her teens to completing what's considered one of the world's toughest triathlons in her 50s. And you'll also learn the ways she makes sure that she always puts her wellness first. So let's maybe just start from the very beginning of what I've read about you and heard about you from other interviews. You grew up in West London and you were a super sporty kid. Yeah. Right. Were you like a tomboy? Because I was.
1: Yeah. I Apparently, that's not the phrase to use anymore. This is what I'm hearing. (laughs) Yes. I'm not quite up on what the phrase is now, but... I'd just say I grew up on a estate in West London and when I was growing up there wasn't really a stigma about boys and girls playing together as in mm-hmm. football we just played whatever games people were into we all did it together so I played football I played cricket I rode bikes we went swimming at school we did lots of team sports as well I mean I was at school in the 70s and 80s and if that makes me sound ancient, then I'm ancient. But
0: Nah, far from.
1: <laughs> there were a lot <laughs> of team sports. So we were playing competitive um, netball and football from when we were in primary school. Athletics was also a big thing. We played against other schools. So it was always kind of in me to do sports. And yeah. when I was in my teens, the gym started to become a thing as well. And just, we would just go to the gym in our free periods and check it out and wow. do a bit of working out.
0: And what was it about movement that you love so much as a young person? And I asked that because when I was at an activewear brand that I used to work for, you know, we launched a foundation just to get more girls moving because they're so kind of reluctant to get involved. So what was it about movement for you that made you think, I'm going to play cricket, I'm going to play football, I'm going to do all the things.
1: Today, it just seemed like a very natural thing to do. I mean, growing up in those times, and when you're coming from a family that doesn't have a lot of disposable income, playing out was basically the most exciting thing you could do. So all those sort of sports and games that we did at school, to me, they were kind of like an extension of playing out. I just liked playing I liked moving. I liked being active. And I guess I just had a lot of energy in that respect. We also roller skated and we played street hockey when I was a teenager. I just liked the feeling of being outside and running about or riding a bike. Um, and I would go outside with my friends from the morning. You know, when it was the summer holidays, it is that thing that they put on memes now. You, you know, you'd go outside from when you were allowed to go outside. Right. You know, you had to do your chores first. You had to tidy up and That's it. do all sorts of nonsense that your mom wanted you to do before you left the house. And then when you finally got to go out, then you tried to stay out as long as possible. Right. <laughs> without um, succumbing to hunger or um, thirst. Because obviously we didn't have much money either to be buying stuff on the road. So if you wanted a drink, you'd either go to your friend's house or you'd go to your, you know, you'd have to go back home to get something. But uh, yeah, I just loved the feeling of movement.
0: Yeah. So then how did that change for you as you got older? Because I know that same when I was a kid, especially growing up in Texas, I mean, you couldn't get me in the house. I was doing all the things. Mm. But when I moved to the UK around 12 you know, PE was still a thing. It was very different because now suddenly I was wearing like a uniform <laughs> and plimsolls and it was all a bit like, Oh, okay. This is a bit restrictive. Mm. Um And then when I went to college, suddenly there was no PE. And so moving just was starting to kind of dwindle. Was there kind of like a similar journey for you? Like, was there ever a moment where you probably weren't moving as much? And I asked because I'm curious to know then how did we suddenly get back into movement in the way that you're doing it now.
1: Yeah, I mean, I definitely had periods where I wasn't moving as much, but my period sort of came later, like in my 20s. Right. As a teenager, I still was quite active. You know, I was at a secondary school, again, where there were a lot of sporty girls. We had some really good PE teachers and I was never the girl that didn't want to do PE. Right. You know, I never get a sick note for PE. I was always there. And we did stuff like trampolining, I did some archery, badminton, like I played netball all throughout secondary school. Even after I finished, we we played in a a league outside of school. Uh, My sister also played netball as well. So like I said, we we just were sporty girls. And when I got into my 20s, obviously between that time I was doing music, so I was traveling quite a bit. So Mm -hmm. I guess... Sport kind of fell off a bit then, between sort of 19 and 24. I was just, I was doing music and I was performing, so I didn't really do a lot of sport. The last thing I did before I started doing the music was street hockey, wow. which I did with okay. my friends from my estate, and we, we had a team and everything. But it got to a point where I felt it was just a bit too dangerous, and, you know, yeah. I was a rapper now. <laughs> Had a voice to protect. <laughs>
0: that's, that's hilarious. I think it's really interesting that not only were you into this variety of of kind of activity, but there was a distinctive change when you were pursuing your music career, which is a whole separate conversation. But. All people need to do is Google you and they will just be blown. I mean, I was—I went down a rabbit hole on YouTube <laughs> just to see some of the things you did. I was like, first of all, she was, and it still is Fly, but you are like the epitome of Fly <laughs> when you're in your, uh, you know, the peak of your career. Thank but you. yeah, but I mentioned that because very much connected to a community called Rundum Crew, mm-hmm. started by a DJ, poet, musician, Charlie Dark. And he said one of the reasons why he started the crew was because people like him, fellow creatives, just weren't moving. And actually, once upon a time, it wasn't the culture to be into fitness. Yeah. So in some respect, Random crew was that antidote. I mean, was that part of how you came across Random when you did?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think I, don't, I was still moving. I got back into fitness after I had my daughter. Now so I had my right. daughter when I was 24. I'd always been like curvier than, say, my friends or whatever. Obviously, at that age, you compare yourself. But obviously, after I had a child, I had this extra weight. And, and I was like, well, this weight needs to go. I need to lose this weight. So I started going to the gym. And uh, my partner at the time encouraged me to run. And I wasn't really into running. I thought I couldn't run, but then I did start doing it and it did help. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so I guess by the time Charlie asked me to come down and, and join the, the running crew, I was already doing a bit of running and I was very much in the gym lifestyle. I was doing weights and I was doing a lot of um, aerobics. I had this really <laughs> good aerobics teacher. Well, there were quite a few at Bricks and Rec. Oh, I bet. Yeah. There were quite a few really good step teachers and aerobics teachers. Loved step.
0: Step was so good back in the day.
1: (laughs) Yeah, they were so good. And there's so many like super fit black women and they were just awesome. Amazing. So that was kind of what I was doing at the point when Charlie invited me to Rundon. But I I think Rundon really took off like after I left. Right. And You know, I loved seeing what it became and and what he created there, definitely. And that, it definitely did make me feel like I want to be involved in something like this. But I didn't feel like running was it for me.
0: So then what became it for you and how did you get there?
1: Well, I had quite a stressful job through my late 30s to sort of mid 40s. That's
0: a long time.
1: Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, it wasn't stressful at first, mm-hmm. but then it sort of became stressful. Just couple years before I left you know I was still trying to go to the gym at like 6am you know I was doing that typical executive thing of yeah up like at five to go to the gym and then doing like a 10 hour day mm-hmm. then going out you know for work and then mm-hmm. doing it all again the next day crazy mm-hmm. um but yeah I would go to the gym and do weights and stuff and then I found this boxing class because I was struggling to fit the fitness into my lifestyle. Mm -hmm. So I thought my friend's husband had actually taken me to a gym, a boxing gym once, and I enjoyed the class, but it was in Harrow Road. It was too far. So I thought, let me try and find this boxing class like this near my house. And I found this gym called Miguel's Gym, which was in Loughborough Junction, not far from Brixton. And I started going there and the gym's owned by a really nice guy. Him and his brothers, they're all part of the boxing community. They've trained fighters. But he went out of his way to really make the gym um, accessible to women. Amazing. By putting on these boxing classes and just really making a point of advertising that it was, you know, female friendly. His name's Steve, Steve Miguel, lovely Jamaican guy. And um, I started going there and I just really found a home there. Mm -hmm. and that became, like, my real go-to workout, and I started going there, like, two, three times a week. I'd go twice in a week, and then once on the weekend, and you'd have to do, like, bag work for half an hour, and then the next half an hour was like, the conditioning stuff. Basically, a million burpees. Wow. (laughs) Um, Press-up, skipping, just, you leave half your body weight in sweat, on the floor. Oh and I, I just really enjoyed it. And that got me really hooked into fitness again. Mm-hmm. And then one of my friends asked me if I wanted to train for Tough Mudder.
0: Okay. So
1: that's- <laughs> I laugh
0: because Tough Mudder is, uh,
1: <laughs> is interesting. Mm, yep. Yeah. And yeah, we didn't just do the half. We trained for the full. Of course she did. So we started <laughs> meeting in Primrose Hill a few of us, quite a few of us. Most of us didn't even know each other. We just knew this one person. It wasn't Tokes, was it? It was Jimmy. Jimmy. Okay.
0: <laughs> because he knows Tokes. And I think there was a year when Tokes organized a team. And I think Jimmy was part of the team. Mm.
1: Yeah, I don't, I can't remember who did it first. But right. yeah, I was part of, jimmy's like recruitment this is what i
0: mean about the crossover <laughs>
1: like, yeah <this> <laughs> it's like little london community yeah so we trained for that i started the running and you know we were doing like strength sessions we'd, we'd meet to do like the bars hanging from the bars and moving on the bars and stuff like that and i enjoyed it and then we did a couple spartan races i did the spartan super there was a lot of uphill running and I was like, you know what? I can't do this. I didn't train enough for that one. And then I got Mm. an injury and I just thought I'm not doing this anymore. This is, this is too much. And some of the um, obstacles were really high and, you know, I don't really scare easy, but I was scared. And I was very aware that I'm just doing this for fun, but I could actually (laughs) paralyze myself. You know, you have to sign these disclaimers, don't you? These waivers.
0: Yeah. I remember signing mine for Tough Mudder thinking, you know what? This isn't really me. This is not my lifestyle. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've never had to sign a waiver for a run, <laughs> so you know.
1: Yeah. So I just thought, mm, now this isn't me. So I, I had done a triathlon about seven years ago now. Okay. And it was just something I'd read about on the internet a long time ago, and it all stuck with me because it just sounded really badass to me. It's like, what you swim, you cycle. And you run. Oh, my God. Like, it just sounded amazing. And I thought I'd like to try it one day.
0: And I suppose given the fact that you have always been multidisciplinary, you know, to an extent, that must have possibly been part of the appeal, too.
1: Yeah, I guess a lot of people say to me they could never do it. But to me, it just seemed like amazing that people did it. Not that I could never do it. It's like, wow, people do this. Like, I want to do this. And I guess that's just me. I'm just like that. I get attracted by stuff that other people just think, no, I can do impossible. it. <laughs> yeah, right. impossible. It's not, it's, yeah, it's not me. And I just remember the first time I actually did the triathlon, it was a sprint distance. So the swim was 750 meters. The bike was Is it 20k? Like Yeah, 20k. Mm-hmm. And the run was 5k. And the feeling that I had when I finished it, it was like I'd won a gold medal. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. It was just so amazing. I just felt like, wow. And I think more than anything, it was just doing that open water swim, which is the bit that you just feel so amazing that you've done it.
0: To be honest, that was me. Yeah. <laughs> I was like the other two bits, whatever. But the minute I finished that swim, that's I was cute. like,
1: "Woo! This is done. I did it." <laughs> because that's all anyone ever talks about. And yes, congratulations on that, Matilda. You did it. Thank you.
0: <laughs> Thanks. Very much inspired by you. But yeah, everyone still, still processing. They
1: can't do the swim. They yeah. just—they're just outright like, "Oh, I'd like to do it, but I can't. I can't do the swim. I can't do it." So, yeah, yeah, just I just remembered that feeling. So after I did that Spartan, I just thought, I'm going to go back to triathlon. Mm. I wasn't thinking about Ironman. I was just thinking about triathlon. And, oh. um, you know, as you're getting up there in the years as well, for me, it's just about I just want to keep moving. Mm-hmm. I just want to have do things that keep me moving, keep me, you know, have something to work towards because once I did do that, first event that tough mudder with Jimmy that did set me on the path to do more events because before that i think i'd done like one of those charity moonlight bra walks yeah with a girlfriend you know but i'd never really done events right and it's like wow so this is why people go and do all these half marathons and these marathons cuz this is a good feeling you know
0: yeah the adrenaline rush is, is definitely second to none yeah so then I guess this is a nice moment to talk about Iron Man because if people don't know, I mean, I love the fact that you can talk about it so casually because you are now one. <laughs> but it's the kind of thing where the first time I heard about it, I was like, "Oh, no, no, no." I mean, for those that don't know, this is a long distance race which is widely considered one of the most difficult one-day sporting events in the whole world and I think you are the only black woman from maybe West London if I was going to niche it down <laughs> <laughs> who has done it and I, I would say I even had the privilege of just watching your training journey from when you first got your place to you completing it and me just thinking wow Like I felt like I know this might sound a little bit dramatic, but when Obama went into office and we were just like, oh, my goodness, (laughs) one of us is in the office. It was like, oh, my goodness, this black woman who were age mates has completed one of the hardest challenges in the world. So I say that with so much pride because you're the reason why I did a try. No (laughs) word of a lie. There was no one or nothing that could have made me even attempt it because you showed that it was possible and it really does go to show why representation matters
1: oh because God.
0: it genuinely works. It does. I mean, For those who know me, I, I was said. like, nah, I can't swim. <laughs> uh. Okay, I don't want to give too much away. You break it down because obviously you knew how to swim, but the swim in an Ironman, how, how long is the distance?
1: Well, the swim... For an Ironman is 2.4 miles. My gosh, <laughs> Woo! it's uh okay. 3,900 meters. Okay, okay, and then it's a 112 mile bike ride, and then it's a marathon run at the end, all in one day. All in one day. Okay,
0: so let's start with what makes you say, Right, I'm gonna sign up for that.
1: Well, like you said. Representation matters. I started following a group on Instagram called Ten Iron Women, and they were training for Barcelona Ironman in 2019, I think it was. And a few of them from Running Crew mm-hmm. had decided had got together to do a triathlon. They had noticed that there wasn't a lot of women represented in Ironman races, so were very visible about their efforts and their training regime. And I I followed them on Instagram and was watching them. And then on the day of the event, you know, followed their stories and saw them crossing the line and found it super, super inspiring. And I guess for myself, I was kind of at a point I was just about to turn 50. And I think most people have some kind of mental it wasn't like a struggle, but it's you have a. It's like a reckoning that you're having, wow, because you're coming to that age. It's, it's a big age. Mm. So before that, I was like, wow, like I'm actually going to turn fifty. I just can't believe this. But then I decided in myself that I was just totally going to embrace it. You know, I'm actually I'm privileged and I'm blessed to reach this age, That's
0: right? Yeah,
1: and I just wanted to reach it in as good a shape as possible like not just physically but mentally as well I wanted to feel good about myself and I knew I wanted to shake things up a bit because my life had felt like it was getting a bit stale so Mm. when I saw these women do this challenge sorry I'm going on a bit they then put out on Instagram they wanted other women to take up the challenge and you know (laughs) here we are. I I just, I just went for it. I just thought, if not now, when, you know.
0: I love that attitude because I very much believe the same thing. And I know when I turned 40, similar to you, I thought, wow, I'm glad I've landed here. I kind of need a thing. And, you know, I've done marathons and even an ultra marathon, but a try definitely was um, not on the list. And even now, you know, my friend, Grace is like, yeah, Iron Man. I'm like, process, baby steps, baby steps, (laughs) baby steps. (laughs) Because there's still a little bit of work I need to do as far as just that water confidence. Yeah. But I'm just curious to know what was that day like for you? What were the emotions going through your head? How did you swim? Like, did you do like front crawl for the whole distance? I'm just curious to know what was that, I suppose, experience like.
1: I would say I felt more churned up about it in the days before the actual race day. And yeah, you're just going through so many emotions, like mainly terror, I have to say. Yeah, of course. (laughs) (laughs) Especially when I saw the swim course. Oh, it was long. You know, it looks long. Obviously, I'd done quite a lot of training and I'd worked with a swim coach and then I'd I was doing sessions, coach swim sessions. So I'd done the distance. Okay. Just about done the distance. Had actually hadn't done the full distance. Maybe I'd done like 3,000 meters and I had 900 to go. So mm-hmm. the worry for me was not making the cutoff time. But on the morning okay. of the event, I just, I actually felt really calm. And I just wanted to do it. But when we got to the beach at like 7 o'clock or something, There was a storm Mm -mm. and the water (laughs) was rolling. It's like it was surfing weather. No. You know, and not even good surfing weather. And I just had to laugh because Mm. I just thought, what is this? Are you serious? (laughs) And in the end, they had to cut the swim course. They didn't have any choice because it was crazy. You're right. So we actually ended up doing only a quarter of the distance. Like a thousand meters, and it was just an out and back. But even then, yeah, it was conditions for a nervous swimmer. Mm -hmm. I mean, people, some people didn't finish. Wow, you know, some people didn't make it through the swim, and they had the kayaks lined up going out to the buoy, but they were rocking up and down, rocking up and down. It was really hard to actually take a breath Wow! because when you got up it's just water was coming in your face Hmm. so yeah I kind of had to adjust the way that I was normally swimming yeah I you know what I did I just tried to swim under the water and then come up when I could Mm -hmm. but I actually found it really exhilarating I guess because I got out yes (laughs) yeah But it was like, wow, because it wasn't just like a regular swim. It was literally like, you know, you were swimming for your life. People were hanging on to the boy, and hanging <laughs> I on the tracks. That's
0: <laughs> me all the way like, yes,
1: oh, yes, I did that. <laughs> it was crazy, but it literally Ooh. just took like 20 minutes and then I came out.
0: Wow. But still, now we have a cycle to do.
1: Yeah, the 112 mile cycle. And Goodness. the storm meant that the, the the bike circuit was really windy. It wasn't raining, but it rained overnight. But the bike course was windy. It was like 23 mile per hour winds. Or when I tell you, like, m- like maybe my normal average speed might be about 20, 25, 26 kilometers. That's speedy. Per hour, right? <laughs> right? I was doing like 14
0: Wow. I was
1: pushing. And uh, one of the other Iron Women, she said, oh, you know, keep your cadence low. Don't try to go hard into the wind. So that just meant that you were moving slower. But it was so windy. And um, you just, you know, you just want to get going. You just want to keep moving forward. The cycling, I knew, wasn't necessarily going to be an issue for me physically because I'd done lots and lots of riding. And I knew Mm -hmm. that's where I was strongest. But what I didn't reckon on was the um, official on the course.
0: The official? Yeah, I
1: was being harassed by this official on the course. She stopped me and I think she asked me how many loops I had done. And I said one as in, like, this is my first one. And she was like, no, no, you've like... She's speaking in Spanish to me. I said, well, I don't speak Spanish. (laughs) And and then there was another official with her translating. And he said that you've missed part of the course. I said, what? Excuse you? No. Yeah. Excuse you. This is a closed, it's a closed road route in Barcelona. Obviously I can only follow. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know my way around Barcelona, but yeah, no, I'm like, no, I didn't miss part of the route. She's adamant that I've missed part of the route. I just started crying. I was Mm -hmm. like, Oh my God. Are you telling me? Because everyone kept saying to me, oh, you've got the bike. That's going to be no problem. And I kept saying, look, anything could go wrong on the day. So I can't go into it, you know, taking that for granted. And I'm thinking, are you Are you kidding me? Like, my race has ended here because I took a wrong turn. Wow, mm-hmm. this is major embarrassment time, Jeremy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Especially, you know, as a woman. Oh, she mm-hmm. took a wrong turn. Ugh. But then I, I was just like, no, I don't think I did you know, take a wrong turn. And then a police officer who was part of the marshals, he came and asked what was wrong and he spoke to her and then he he said again that that's what she thinks. And then he turned to me and he said, but you can try. Hmm. Keep going. You can try. Come on. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm going to (laughs) do. And and then she said, oh, well, the tracker will say whether you missed or not. And then... For me, I was like, so this woman doesn't even know if I, she doesn't know for definite that I skipped part of the course. Wow. Haters. Haters haters go to hate, even in Barcelona. Even in Barcelona. Wow. So I kept going, and then she tried to stop me again. I said, you know what, now you're harassing me, so you just leave me alone. I'm going to keep going. So I finished Mm. the circuit, and I must have gone past like a checkpoint. She was over there talking to someone, and he stopped me, so he must be like, the race official or whatever he asked me how many loops I'd done I said one and then I went about my business and then she didn't I didn't get stopped again so I had to do two 90 kilometer loops of the bike course so that's 180 kilometers 112 miles I did that mm. it was you know I got off the bike now and my foot was hurting me it was really hot that day as well it was like 27 degrees wow it really brightened up in the afternoon the clouds started clearing and then it just got really hot now I I'm not bad in heat but when I got on my bike I think I forgot my bottles I forgot my water bottles for my bike Hmm. so that wasn't good so what I had to do I just I had loads of gels so Mm. I started eating the gels to help hydrate me that's all I could do And, um, it took a while to get to the first water stop, but, you know, it kept me going until I did get there. So when I got off the bike now I was pressing so hard, like my, my foot was really sore. Wow. I was like, how am I going to run a marathon now? Hmm. um,
0: A whole 26.2 miles.
1: Yep. So it was three 14 kilometer loops. So I said, okay, the first loop I'm going to walk and run it and then try and get progressively faster i mean as fast as i can go because i'm not a fast runner yet yeah and um yeah so that's what i did and you know the thing is is just not to panic in any of these situations because obviously when you panic you don't think clearly right so you just i just had to keep staying calm and had to just keep telling myself you know just take your time ease yourself into it just trot warm up your legs because i know that my legs need a bit of warming up my calves often like to just seize up on me without warning um so I'd always try to give myself a good warm up and yeah I just started trotting uh and it's it started to get dark and the the crowd started to thin out but I just kept going you know I just kept going I was concerned about the cut off time but um I just kept you know I just kept going and I kind of got to a point where I knew that I would make it I didn't feel like I wouldn't make it at any Mm. point, but you never want to take it for granted. And when I was on the run course, I could see people passed out. You know, the heat had got to people. People were covered in blankets. People were suffering. You know, you could see it. But I actually just felt strong. Because you did the training. Yeah, but I'm sure they did. Some of those people were younger than me, you know. People react differently to heat as well true I mean you were at the Hackney park yeah before, I mean Costa
0: del Hackney Costa del Hackney I've seen I've seen many things
1: yeah <laughs> and I know how it gets it was like um, that. yeah it was like that that's wild but I just knew that once I'd done the second lap I was on the home straight but it's still 14 kilometers yeah you know and I run slowly so it was like a trot at that point but I just kept going. I kept pushing myself. There were people on the course, people who'd taken part in the race that they uh, wait around and cheer you on. You know, other spectators were cheering you on. The other runners were cheering you on. Earlier, when I'd started the run, there was a guy on a bicycle following me and he's saying to me that I wasn't going to make it. Mm, What what is with... Who are these people? They were picking on me, man. Hmm. They were, and I had to and then he was riding behind me on the bike and his I could hear his chain going round his drive chain. it was really crackly and it was annoying me so I said to him look you need to back up because I exactly. didn't pay my 600 pounds to okay be with you so like fall back a bit so he did fall hmm. back and then he disappeared and then another guy came and he said to me you can do it keep going yes
0: those are the people you need in your corner.
1: Yeah. And I just kept going. He's like, you can do it. You can make it. Keep, And he was on, on my shoulder saying all the positive things. And then row, and we had a cheer squad, a 10 Iron Women cheer squad. They were out on the course. So every time I came round, they were there. And they was like screaming, yes,
0: Donna, you can do it.
1: And then finally I was on the final lap and... You know, I was running and I could see the finish line. And they were like, "Right, yes, you're going to come in now." Roe gave me the 10 Iron Women flag, oh. and I ran down the carpet. And it was just like, whew, "Yeah, all Tears. the feels, all the feels." Just, I did it. I finished. And you know, there were 12 mm-hmm. of us uh, Iron Women that did it, mm-hmm. all from varying ages, from ages. There was somebody from each decade: 20s, 30s, 40s and me 50, and we all finished.
0: Mm -mm. I mean, what was the biggest lesson that you kind of took away from completing the Ironman?
1: Yeah, I I just feel like, yeah, it, it just takes you to another level. That amount of training that you have to do, the person you have to become to do that, it just reminded me of the person that I am, you know? the person that I can be, the person that can be really dedicated to achieving something, really single-minded about it. And I think sometimes there's that tendency when you get older to, you know, to soften up, maybe to take the easy route or, you know, maybe to talk yourself out of doing things. But I I just came back to that person who who's prepared to have a go. It's not about even having a go and you have to achieve it. You have to complete it. Like you're a failure if you don't achieve it. It's having the courage to put yourself out there. And I think that's what that's taught me. Like just have that courage to go for what you want. Mm. Don't talk yourself out of things. Because a lot of the times we do. It's not even other people that can put us off doing stuff. It's us you know, you want to do something, but part of you thinks, oh, I'm too old for that. Or "Mm, I don't think I could do it, but you don't Mm -hmm. try. You know, you've got to try.
0: hundred percent. I think what's interesting for me is clearly you're a brave and courageous woman. Thank you. But there was also a time in your life where you were obviously challenged as far as maintaining that fitness lifestyle with your work and your career. And so I'd just be curious to know, how have you managed to find that balance? Because a lot of people that come through like the fly girl community, they're, you know, professional working women, you know, high flying women, ambitious women. And they're always like, well, I you know, I, I struggle to find time to, to do this because they're so committed to their career path. Mm.
1: Yeah. I mean, I guess I used to be like that as well, but then I got to a point where it was having a negative impact on me. Right. On my health, on my mental health. And what I always tell people is that you have to, you know, you have to turn up for you and I wasn't turning up for me. So when I left the job that had become very stressful, going forward, I made sure to put myself, In a place where I could achieve a work life balance. Right. That's what I did. So I kind of made my life accommodate fitness, made my working life accommodate fitness. That's the only way I could achieve it. So um the last place that I worked at, my working hours were like eight to four. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Which was great. Yeah, which was (laughs) I was like, I had to do the math I was like, oh, okay. (laughs) Which was which was very good, um, Mm. obviously. But I mean, it was in part luck, but I, I definitely, when I was looking for a new role, that was a part of my focus. Like I want to have a better work-life balance and I want to be able to do my fitness. So eight o'clock is still early, but-,
0: but you get to lock off at I four. I mean, I work
1: early. Right. Cause I mean,
0: I start work at eight. I'm not finishing at four.
1: <laughs> yeah. 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 So I was able to, you know, work out after work. So I could always make it after work. But you just have to make a commitment to yourself. And I know that for me, I always feel better if I'm active. I always feel more positive when I'm active, um, if I'm moving. So an hour a day is not really a big commitment for me. No, I know for other people it is, but for me it's just not a big commitment. It's like the bare minimum commitment. Yeah,
0: but you've also made it a part of your lifestyle now, right? Yes, so, exactly. You know, you
1: yeah. I mean, it was a part of my lifestyle before, as in you know I went to the gym and when I started the boxing classes, it, fitness definitely just became a part of my lifestyle. And then I started doing the Tough Mudder, but with the cycling, yeah, even more so. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, following Ironman, I got involved in the cycling community. So, and I'm a ride leader now for chain gang cyclists, you know, they're my bike family. And I, I get up early twice a week, Tuesdays and Fridays, go to Regent's Park for seven o'clock to do morning laps. We, you know, we ride around Regent's Park, outer circle, and then we'll have coffee and and then we go for long rides on a Sunday so yeah that is my cycling lifestyle but I'm definitely going to continue to do triathlon and to do other events because I feel like yeah it just challenges me you know in that way like you said with the swimming there's room for me to improve with the swimming and there's room for me to improve with the running and it's the running I really want to try and improve for next year because my running times they're just for me I would like to be a bit faster because I don't want to do six hour marathons or um, like three hour half marathons. I would really (laughs) like to work on that, you know, if I'm going to do like a full Ironman again, which I would like to. I think I'm going to join a triathlon club this year as well. Yeah. So I can work with other people. And for me, that's kind of big because... I do I do have a bit of a fear of running with other people because I always think, oh my God, I'm going to be slow. But it's like the people that come to cycle with me, they always worry about being the slowest person on the bike. And I'm always telling them, well, you know, you just you start where you start from and we're not going to leave you behind. So I just need to find that environment with running.
0: Yeah. And, and there are communities out there that cater for all types of, you know, paces and no matter where, you know, people are, are at on yeah. their journey. Yeah. But I guess I'm also quite curious to know, and I maybe we're kind of glossing over it simply because, yes, you're in your 50s, but if people were to meet you, they'd be like, Psh, what are you talking about? <laughs> you know, <laughs> no, far from, you know, go on to her IG and you'll see what I mean. It's like, this girl is, she a girl. <laughs> she, she's not a big woman. <laughs> uh, but I guess I'm just curious to know, given you know what you've achieved you know age wise is there anything you wish you kind of knew when you started your fitness journey or before you turned 50 40 30 you know before you hit these milestones are there things that you wish you could have done differently or i mean just to give you time to think about that i know for myself cuz i've been running for well over a decade I wish I started strength training much earlier Mm. and I wish I valued things like stretching because now you girls got a niggly knee, (laughs) you know, I still love running, but I also have to think about the You can't keep pounding this pavement forever. (laughs) Otherwise you won't end up being that 70, 80, nine year old runner (laughs) you aspire to be that's kind of my sort of, sort of wishes. And I try to say that to like the younger fly girls in our community, look after yourself, make sure you're being holistic with this. Don't just go hard on one thing because then when you mash yourself up, (laughs) recovery is uh, not fun.
1: The thing is I've done weights on and off since I was in my twenties. So I've actually done a lot of strength training and I've been doing it on and off the last 10 years and and I think that is probably why when I did Ironman yeah one of the things I was proud of is that when I actually finished it like my body yeah wasn't broken you know I actually felt quite strong and my knee issues I did have some knee issues and some calf and Achilles issues they've actually got better despite you know the the volume of training that I was doing I guess for me, the thing I would have liked to have taken up when I was younger is yoga, is to have, you know, already started a a good yoga practice, because I think definitely mobility is really important uh, as you get older. I mean, I'm not bad, but yeah, I'm not, I'm not super flexible, but when I went to have my bike fit, I mean, the guy that fit my bike, he was impressed with, hey. you know, my mobility. I think it's it's not bad for my age, but it, obviously it could be better, and that is definitely something I'm going to work on. But, yeah, I always definitely advise, I, even the younger cyclists that I ride with, I ride with a lot of 20-year-olds to get in the gym, to do some strength work and stuff. A lot of them are just a bit scared of it because they don't really know what to do, but I've been lucky in that. I've always had friends that I can call on to show me the ropes and that's all you need really you need somebody who knows what they're doing like they really need to know what they're doing or you get a trainer for a month so they can show you the ropes and then just get in there and, and start doing it but um I just wish I'd started younger you know with with all the events and maybe doing triathlon and then maybe I'd be in a position to like properly race it but people my age they do race them um You know, mm-hmm. the age groupers and stuff, so you know I just have to go from where I am you know i'm I'm here i'm fifty three I'm doing the events I have the fitness and endurance, or I can attain I can obtain the fitness and endurance to complete these events and um I do enjoy doing it once I've got through the grueling training
0: <laughs> nice, and then sort of kind of wrapping up final question. When you aren't being the superwoman that you are, what do you do for downtime and self-care?
1: I, you know, I am just very chill. I lie on my sofa. I'm really not super social anymore. I like to read, get my hair done, catch up with my friends. All the
0: things, hair did, nails did, everything did.
1: Yep. You know, a bit of pampering. I like to dance. I still like to enjoy myself, you know. I like to dance, meet my friends for drinks. I'm not really massively into restaurants, but I'm into being social. So if people want to go out to eat, then I'll do that. That's it, really.
0: Nice. And I suppose, what does wellness mean for you? That's the very final question.
1: Yeah, for me, wellness, it does mean taking care of yourself. I mean, I wouldn't say I'm the girliest of girls, but I do like to take care of myself as in, you know, look after my skin and look after my hair and, you know, my mental health. If, I, if I'm feeling a bit stressed, I want to make sure that I'm starting the day with affirmations and, you know, starting the day on a calming note, eating well, drinking lots of water getting good quality sleep, just really thinking about what I'm absorbing and what I'm taking part in and who I'm surrounding myself with. You know, like you said, it's it's a holistic thing. And if you're not careful you can find yourself absorbing like negative things from social media or from or negative energy. So you have to really Be mindful of these things.
0: Nice. Thank you so much, Donna. This has been a fly chat. Thank you. It's exactly what I expected and wanted it to be. (laughs) So, where can people go if they want to follow your epic journeys and just kind of, yeah, watch the evolution as I have?
1: Well, you can find me on Instagram at the underscore INM press. Yeah, like I, I detailed the the journey there really because I knew that Iron Man wasn't something a lot of women did, let alone a lot of black women. And I just wanted to take people on the journey with me, no matter where it ended up. And um, yeah, so you can see a bit more about my story there. Sweet, thanks, girl. Thank you.
0: I am such a hype woman when it comes to black women doing dope things and I'm just glad that there are women out here like Donna who continue to challenge the status quo and misconceptions of what we're capable of. So here are my top three takeaways. Number one, there's a real benefit in starting your fitness and wellness journey as soon as you can. Now Donna herself was really active in her childhood and I will never forget when I was in my 20s, my journalism mentor who was really into fitness and exercise, he told me, look, you need to start now because if you do not, it's gonna be so much harder to maintain when you get older. And honestly, Justin ain't never lied (laughs) because now my 40s, I gotta watch my knees. There's this layer of belly fat that's trying not to go anywhere. Ugh, but anyway, <laughs> I am truly so much in love with movement and I really owe that to just doing it for such a long time. Takeaway number two, find what works for you. I think sometimes people may feel pressured to stick to something because it's trending or it's popular. And given the pandemic that we've kind of come through, I think a lot of people felt they either had to be a runner because it was pretty much all we were allowed to do. But hopefully some people have also recognized maybe it's just not for them and that's okay. because I think once you've locked into something that you really love and you find where you're supposed to be on your fitness and wellness journey, It becomes quite easy. In fact, it feels like second nature. And that's what Donna did when she kind of discovered that she was really into cycling and she then discovered a community. And finally, takeaway number three, you've got to turn up for yourself. And that is really what wellness is about. Donna found that movement gave her the balance she needed when she was doing a stressful job. And so, whether you decide to do an epic challenge like an Iron Man, hey, never say never, or you start like a new walking habit, giving yourself the space and time to just move in however makes sense to you really does the mind and body good. The most important thing is just about making these moments just another thing to do because you want to, right? It just becomes a natural part of your lifestyle. So, I hope you enjoy this episode of Finesse Your Wellness brought to you by fly girl collective a space for black women and women of color who want to level up their wellness and lifestyle you can follow fly girl collective on instagram twitter and facebook or sign up to our mailing list at flygirlcollective.co for lovely tips goodies and invites delivered straight to your inbox also if you have loved what you heard today rate and review us on itunes and if you are kind enough to give us five stars we will give you a shout out Thanks again for listening. Always appreciate your time, your energy. I can feel it through the mic. (laughs) Catch you on the next episode.